Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now a bunch of news updates. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And if you got tips or stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Tons of stuff to talk about today. Oh, let's yeah. let's get into a newsy one first before we get to the fun stuff. This comes from a report from NPR, one of the biggest comic book news sites on the internet, of course. Oh, they, uh, their Comic-Con stuff is crazy, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I was in their booth once. They were having the biggest party. It was nuts. I was doing some Steve Inskeep cosplay the other day, you know, just wearing a regular suit. It was crazy. Awesome. Well, let's That's get into the NPR speech. heads. That's for the WNYC heads out there. This, <laughs> this is actually probably a pretty serious subject that ties into a lot of the stuff that's going on right now with the SAG strike and the WGA strike, which, to be clear, we support unequivocally. They're fighting for their rights. They're fighting for the compensation they deserve. One of the big issues going on with these strikes is the rise of AI, specifically from the writers, of course. Studios want to just generate a couple of outlines, you know, just some ideas and stuff, and the writers can work off that. Don't you dare. <laughs> Which you the dare. writers rightfully do not like. That is terrifying to me. But even more terrifying, I think, is what they wanted to do with actors. And in fact, as NPR reports have already been doing with actors, which is particularly with background actors, take them, scan them, have them do a couple of expressions, and then they can use their images forever. And in fact... Studios have been already doing this. The specific report from NPR was saying they they talked to a background actor on WandaVision who was told to report to a trailer, was scanned doing a couple of expressions, I think looking scared and then looking excited or something like that. Didn't know why, wasn't aware of why this was happening, but clearly she was being scanned so that they can digitally reproduce her in any way they want forever for Disney, for Marvel, etc. Um, I will also mention uh, when I posted this story on my Blue Sky account, hot new social network, mm-hmm. somebody responded. It was like, yeah, this isn't the first time this happened. I was an extra in Thor Ragnarok, not even Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, and wow. He didn't do the expressions, but they scanned him back then. And he was like, I don't know what this is for. They just digitally scanned me, and now they have my image somewhere. So what do you – you're in SAG and WJ. What do you think about this, Kristen? Uh, Well, I think this – the fact that it's been going on very secretly is is problematic. I mean, I'm not not super surprised. It makes a lot of sense why they would do this. And and there's a way – just the act of doing it isn't necessarily a problem. It's the lack of compensation and understanding that people are walking away with. Because, like, I think – the the labor side of this is like yeah we're all into technology but you're you're potentially using this technology secretly to replace us and not pay us for the work that it it still involves if you're a background actor and they use you in four movies that's that's four jobs mm-hmm. and to do it without telling them and that's literally stealing it's stealing your image it's like a sci-fi movie would be about this 20 years ago, and instead it's just happening secretly in front of our face. It, I totally agree with you. And to be clear on two ends here, I think digitally duping crowds is nothing new. You know, it's something yeah. where you get 20 background actors and then you create hundreds of them to make an Arby. People point this out in movie mistakes all the time where they go, oh, there's the same guy making the exact same face 30 yeah. times in the middle of this Arby or this crowd that's cheering. Um, but to your point – you got to pay people for this. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, which the NPR article gets into very nicely, which, by the way, we have linked in the episode description if you want to check it out, is 
this is people's jobs. Like people's job is background actor. It's not a fun thing they're doing. I was a background actor a couple of times just for fun, but like there are people, this is literally their jobs all the time. And to take them, put them in WandaVision and be like, great, see you later. Now you're in every Marvel show for now on. We're not going to pay you. That is unequivocally wrong. Yeah. It's 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 theft. I was a background actor in Mystic River, the parade scene. Oh, Here really? Died blonde. Yeah. Nice. I was uh, in Devil's Advocate in one of the court scenes. I was sitting on the edge of the pew or whatever you call it, and specifically because I was on the edge, I like leaned over and you know put my face there so you could see you, me, so you could see my blurry there. blurry forehead in one shot behind Keanu Reeves. Ah, uh, see, that's fame. Well, and, and actually, uh, just to mention something else about this, which I didn't realize at the time, that does tie into this discussion, but. When I was there, I was very young, like not aware of unions or what was going on or anything like that. And they called a couple of people out, including me, and they're like, hey, who wants to be a reporter kind of chasing Keanu Reeves down the hall afterwards? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds awesome. And then right beforehand, as we were all, we had already gotten to costume and everything, one of the guys in the circle of like the four or five of us who had been asked to do this was like, wait, hold on. We got to check and see if everybody's SAG. And I was like, I'm not SAG. They're like, oh, no, you can't do that then, which I was bummed out about, but totally understood. But that's the sort because of Because you would have been a featured extra, which crosses over into the union. Exactly. Which would have been great for me. I would have been very yeah. excited about <laughs> that. But this is somebody who's saying, hey, there are hundreds of people here who are filling out this courtroom let one of them who does this for a living do it instead of this random guy who is here. So uh, again, I, I just uh, elaborate on this, not to talk about my experience on devil's advocate so much to, uh, to explain what it is like to be a background actor, that you got to jockey with the stuff that the people behind the scenes are going so quickly with the costumes and just throwing people in in various places that they're not always asking the questions. So there is a lot of policing that needs to go on in the union itself. Yeah, and I heard they actually some of the uh, horrified looks they um, captured and during this WandaVision thing was so they could use them when they saw how Secret Invasion turned out. <laughs> oh, okay. They just delivered a video of it to Kevin Feige and people were like, <gasps> yeah, like look, here's Ooh. the numbers on Secret Invasion and there's just a lot of background actors looking horrified. Yeah, they don't say anything though because that's – then you get paid a little extra. That's exactly right. All right, why don't we move to a more fun thing that dropped. You know, it, it's funny when we've been talking about the future of the MCU – in my mind, I'd be going, okay, Secret Invasion comes out. What's next? The Marvels. Completely forgot about Loki Season 2, which comes out October 6th. We love the first season of Loki. I've watched it a second time. I watched it with my son, and it really nice. held up. Like, I yeah. liked it the first time, but then watching it the second time without wondering about mysteries really continued. And now we have our first full trailer for Season 2 of Loki with some big plot stuff. We get to see uh, Kei Hei Kwan. Fresh off of yeah. his Oscar win, working in the TVA, we do, which we probably talk a little bit about, we do get to see Jonathan Majors. He is still there as Kang. He is listed in the credits. He's on the poster and everything. So lots of other stuff to pack on, unpack there. But what was your big impression from the trailer, Justin? I mean, this looks great. The it, It's hard to say. I feel like we say that like at the beginning of everything. It's like, this looks cool. We like this. And then uh, in a lot of times, a lot of projects, there's been some misses here uh, in the Marvel Universe lately. But this actually, I feel like because the season two and they're continuing what's happened before, it does feel bigger. Everything looks amazing. The great thing about Loki is it feels like it has just great design choices at the mm -hmm. top to bottom. And you see it in play here. It feels like they 
got more complex uh, with their backdrops and everything. That's cool. Uh, love Kihei Kwan in here uh, in a very lateral move from everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> totally. Almost truly the closest to that movie you could possibly move is Loki. Yeah, uh, but he, he's on the same vibe of the humor, that extended scene yeah. they show of him, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston just figuring out why Loki is glitching. Great. That fits it's perfectly. Great. The only thing I'm worried about, which I don't think got showed off in the trailer at all, beyond the Jonathan Majors thing, which we should probably talk about in a second, yeah. is the fact that they changed directors and I believe writers from season one and season two. There was a lot of crosstalk about what was actually happening. Apparently the original plan was like 12 episode season. Then they cut it in half. This seems on the front, just like a different story. Everybody's in different places. We see shots of Sylvie. She seems to be a regular person. Now Uh, we see other folks seem to be stuck in different timelines or different places, maybe with their memories, maybe without. And Loki, of course, is the only one who remembers the real timeline and what's gone on with Kang and is trying to figure it out. So that's exciting to me that it's a different season with a different story going on, that it's not just the same thing as season one, but the direction and writing were so clear from the first season. I just get a little worried about that. And the other thing that I get a little worried about is where is this heading? Is it a concrete story in season two? Are we ending in a cliffhanger TBD that leads into secret wars like we normally get? What What is the direction here? That And that's something you obviously can't show off or get from a trailer. That's something we'll get from the season. But those are my immediate thoughts on watching this. My, I feel like this is going to, the other comp outside of Loki season one is, is probably WandaVision, which Mm -hmm. WandaVision concluded its story, but left the main character in a huge open-ended situation, which fed directly into uh, Doctor Strange. So I I bet we're going to get that kind of ending where it's like a soft landing into uh, the pivot to the next big thing, which is a little frustrating because I think what Marvel needs most right now from a win perspective is just a defined banger hit. Mm-hmm. They need like a a cultural moment where it's like, yes, this is so good. They need this to be like the bear season two, like the Barbie movie, like any of these things that like are definitive wins be, just to sort of beat back all of the negative attention that Marvel's been getting. We're talking more business side here. And the fact that Secret Invasion not only was a bomb from viewership and all that, but it was actually just not good. So they, they need a win creatively and and culturally to, to move forward, I think. Just speculating about the season, what do you think Loki's fishes would be and what do you think Loki's forks would be? Mm, great. I get this question a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess the same – it is a season two. We get to yes. continue some things. I, I'm joking about the bear. If anybody doesn't get what I'm talking about here, I will say I was thrilled to see season two on the trailer, which is such a stupid thing. But the fact that Marvel has been treating these as like, it's a six part movie, which is one of the most annoying things to hear as a TV fan and TV critic to see an actual season two that we're getting something like WandaVision, is there a WandaVision season two? It's Agatha Covenant Chaos, I guess, but they're not aiming mm-hmm. to make TV shows. The fact that this feels like a TV show, that's great to me. Uh, the Let's talk about the Jonathan Majors of it all. Yeah. 
not to get too into legal stuff, this obviously is not a legal podcast, but recently his trial date was kicked off because apparently the prosecution wasn't quite quite ready with their evidence. So his trial date has been moved to September. Just talking about the Marvel at all, not the anything else about what's gone on. That seems bad for Loki. It seems bad for Loki to have a Jonathan Majors trial happening in September when they're ostensibly ramping up towards the October 6th debut date of Loki that heavily features Jonathan Majors. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, I mean, Jonathan Majors is is in this trailer, but definitely not featured a ton. Mm-hmm. There's like the sort of villain reveal bit at the end almost uh, within the, in the Old West. But like... So I like I feel like they're downplaying right now. And yes, I agree with you. It is going to be a problem to have that happening. And I feel like they still haven't answered the question about what they're going to do about the, this the horrible situation that has happened and the potential awful crime that their major star for the next couple years has has committed. But I bet they're treating it a little bit like the NFL treats a player that has legal problems where they're like, well, we got to wait and see what the trials does and then we'll mm-hmm. decide. That That's the way I feel like they're playing it. And that's a little bit of a shift. I feel like other situations like this, Hollywood has reacted a little more like, well, we're going to move on from them and and recast or change our plan or whatever. And now Marvel's sort of pulling back, circling the wagons a little bit and saying, like, let's wait for the uh, legal proceeding to work out and then we will respond. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if that affects Loki at all. Last thing, I'll throw out a bold prediction, not based on the trailer, but again, something I was thinking about off of this. Um, oh, and by the way, I'll mention, I love the giant Miss Minutes going all Godzilla yeah. and wrecking things. Very fun. But we... N- is Deadpool going to be Loki season two, either somewhere in Loki season two or an end credit scene? And the reason I say that is we know the TVA is going to be some part of Deadpool three. Yeah. They've already filmed a bunch of footage for it. What do you think? Uh, I would think post credit mm-hmm. sequence potentially, but like the idea of Deadpool mixing it with Loki, it's like these tastes are different. This is like, uh, <laughs> This is chocolate and peanut butter, or like, which some people love. Yeah. But me, I like to keep them separate. I could 100% see them either just taking a scene from Deadpool 3, finishing it up, and throwing it at the end of Loki, or they knew this was coming, so filmed a dedicated scene of Deadpool getting taken into the TVA and him saying something like, Oh man, I'm in an end credit sequence. Right. Something like that. We'll see. But you, can you imagine that though? Like the, the whole vibe of Loki is like slick, classic sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like Owen Wilson likes the classic, like little, like more reaction, facial reaction, not not as hard joke quippy. And then Deadpool showing up and being like, <laughs> doing joke, like joke, 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 some like rapid fire meta joke situation. We'll see. We'll see what happens. That's pretty far off, obviously. But another thing about Deadpool 3, Emma Corrin talked a little bit about Deadpool 3. And when I say a little bit, I mean basically nothing at all. They said, I feel really excited to play a villain. I haven't done that, and it's an itch I want to scratch. Corrin also said that they didn't have much experience with Marvel, had to do a crash course on set, but thought it was very exciting. Cool. Cool. I, I say cool. Uh, cool. I've got that scratch some itches, I yeah. would say. 
I feel like we need to stop running quotes like this just to make bold stats about journalism. Like, I know we all we were talking about this a little bit last week, you and I, but I think yeah. there's there's nothing here. Like, I know your editor is saying, hey, put in the stuff about Marvel. That's what's going to draw eyeballs. And obviously, we're talking about it here on the podcast. But mostly, I wanted to throw it in to talk about this topic, which is like, there's no there's no news here. She's just they're just saying they're in it. That's it. Well, let's see. Perhaps that will apply to a topic we're going to talk about in a minute. Casting uh, rumors. <laughs> uh, because it is, I mean, these are these are non-stories. I don't mind that we're talking about it, for instance, because mm-hmm. it is like, it's a little, it's a little teeny, a little news pin that gets you so like, to, to talk about the thing, get a little more excited. Uh, but it is sort of like a little uh, tempest in the teacup, as they say. Well, let's move on to a casting that didn't happen. Adam Brody, while talking about his remake of The River Wild, revealed Mm. that he auditioned for Star-Lord. Obviously, Chris Pratt got it, but he really wanted the movie and was very bummed out when he didn't get it. Wait, has he officially gotten it? Because I feel like maybe these first three movies are just like part of the audition. Tryouts, like like it was an audition. We were talking about deleted scenes with Catherine Newton last week. That would be really embarrassing for Chris Pratt if it turned The long, long deleted (laughs) movies, three deleted movie scenes. Yeah, they they released them publicly, everything. How awkward. I... Adam Brody would have been a great choice for Star-Lord, and I feel like long-term maybe would have been a less complicated choice for culturally. Is that wrong? <laughs> because of Chris Pratt as a yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, here's the thing. I can't imagine a Star-Lord, a non-Chris Pratt Star-Lord at this point. It's become mm-hmm. such a – and, like, I'm not – like, he has his problems as a human, I think, and as a, a, a celebrity – but he's a great Star-Lord. He's very funny in the right ways and, like, does a good job. So it's hard for me to imagine it being played super differently, uh, especially like, – Chris Pratt also wants to eat all of Hollywood. He mm-hmm. wants to do every role if he could. He would, as you see that he does everything. And he, he – slight spoiler, he refuses to leave behind Star-Lord <laughs> even now. <laughs> it's like – I don't I like what he he's if he is Chris Pratt has his foot in the door he's getting into that role yeah I uh, conversely am kind of happy for Adam Brody that he didn't get it because this doesn't happen with everybody but I feel like that Marvel workout breaks men's minds in in a certain way particularly people that are like oh you're a beloved comedian and then they get so jacked up on Marvel that they're nothing but muscles and that's it so Adam Brody is still doing great work I think you watched Fleischman is in trouble a little bit or did you see that he was very good in that very fun he seems to be just having a nice life and a good time so ultimately that's probably better for him well, exactly. I think he, uh, Chris Pratt seems like his he's infected by Hollywood and is obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Adam Brody sees like I'm a human and this is my job and I like doing this. Bye. <laughs> I want to go back to my life. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. What could have been? What they got to do a what if Adam Brody was Star Lord episode? I would watch that. Next up, 
the director of Secret Invasion, Ali Salim, I believe is his name, has been doing the publicity tour because he's the only person who could actually legally right now with the strikes talk about the show. So a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff on him. There's a little part of me that feels kind of bad that he is the brunt force of everything that is wrong. But also, he's throwing a lot of stuff out there that doesn't make a lot of sense. He's been defending the show <laughs> and throwing it on, oh, the fans, of, their expectations are too high. But that's uh, not what we want to talk about. The uh, best move when you're getting criticism is to blame the fans. Because you know what? They just don't get me. The yeah. fans of this thing don't get me. Mm-hmm. But... That's not what we want to talk about here. We do want to talk about that Marvel asked for only two things from the end of Secret Invasion, that Fury needs to be in space and Rhodey needs to not be able to use his legs. Cool. Interesting. <laughs> Again? I get Fury in space, put him back sure. where we got. Like we talked about, it made it seem like Secret Invasion as a television show almost didn't occur because mm-hmm. – uh, he started Fury in space gets, and then he left his space and, and he left goes the Earth to, worse than when he started. 100%. He might just, uh, in Marvel's, like, look up and be like, we see on his iPad or whatever that he was uh, on Earth briefly for a scroll situation. And mm-hmm. that's all we ever have to do with it. So that keeps it clean. Rhodey not being able to use his legs is, first off, it's very funny to me how hard they hit this at the end of the <laughs> uh-huh. season. Where he's being carried. It looks like he's carried for, like, 100 mm-hmm. miles based on... Uh, the way they shot it. But like, it's an interesting thing because that's something that I feel like you would have to reference. Well, I think the idea here, and this is pure speculation, but we talked a little bit about where Rhodey was taken and the internet has been going crazy and just piecing this apart, that it probably was towards the end of civil war when he was first hurt, he was put through an MRI and he's wearing the same outfit when they take him out of the scroll machine. So basically Rhodey has been a skull scrawl since then through all uh, the end of civil war, where I believe he makes the Tony stank joke, classic right. scroll joke. And yep. then he also was a scroll in Infinity War and Endgame, and also one of the best scenes in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, where he's talking to Falcon, and they're in the museum and talking about the legacy of Captain America and being totally yeah. black heroes in the MCU. So, absolutely bizarre if it invalidates all of that stuff. But I assume the move here is when they get to Armor Wars, Rhodey is dealing with the fact that he can't use his legs. Tony Stark died. All of Tony's army armor has been stolen and appropriated by a bunch of villains. So he's got literal crutches and figurative crutches, as well as all of these gaps in his history that he needs to deal with and all this loss in his life. So that gives him a lot of emotional resonance. So I get that. It's just all the stuff in between it that is gobbledygook nonsense at this point. Well, and I also agree with all of that, but I also feel like why don't you give us a little scene or something to show that at the mm-hmm. end of Secret Invasion? Because I think it matches with the story and actually gives the TV series some stakes if he's like, how long have I been gone? What's the last thing you remember? Like blank. Like, And he tells us that it pinpoints the moment where he was taken. Mm-hmm. Because if we get that, then we see, oh, wow, this is going to have larger implications than just him being carried out and not being able to walk for reasons we could speculate on. But I think when we talked about it, it was like, wow, he's been in there so long, his bodies, we we didn't make mm-hmm. that connection to that point on our viewing. And that's a failure of the show to to show us that information more directly, especially when they were making such a big deal out of the fact that he was being carried uh, well, that whole way. Like we talked about, and this felt like this with a lot of episodes of Secret Invasion, but that last episode could have been the second episode because to your point, yeah. taking Rhodey out of the machine 
he realizes he has all of this missed time and joins Fury to take the fight back to the scrolls that stole all this time of them. Way more interesting to me than just hobbling him out of a nuclear reactor where he's fine. The radiation doesn't affect him. Yes, uh, exactly that. I also think it's interesting, like, pinning, looking forward and looking at Armor Wars, a project that I was very excited for, but has it went from being a TV series to a movie. That's mm-hmm. still correct, right? Yeah. That's a weird shift for them to publicly go through. That happens all the time, I think, behind the scenes. Like, oh, you know what? Let's turn this movie script into a TV series and vice versa. But to announce it as one thing and make it another signals to me, like, either a big shift creatively, but I think it's still the same creatives attached to it. Yeah. I'm at this point though, given the strikes, but also given everything with Marvel, I would put a question mark behind anything, you know, that we don't have already in production in some sense. And even those question marks, I guess. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on. Talk about another thing that got blamed on the strike, but I don't believe it. Sony moved a lot of their movie dates per our Marvel podcast that we're on right now. The two important ones are that Beyond the Spider-Verse has completely moved off the schedule and Craven has shifted from its October date onto late August 2024. Now, Sony sent out an email with the revised dates and there were notes on there that I would almost guarantee were notes from PR that probably should have been taken out of the press release ah. uh, in a very awkward way. I don't remember exactly what they say, but there was one being like, hey, let people know that this is because of the strikes. And I was like, that's oh, not that's... how you don't do that. <laughs> Cut that out of there. Yeah, first. You don't what add that doing? as a no. Yikes. <laughs> uh, but for both of these beyond the Spider-Verse, very publicly, we already do. They are still very much working on that movie. They haven't done the vocal recording or anything like that. They're not sure about the second act. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So there was no way it was coming out next yes. year anyway. So to blame it on the strike is silly. That's very silly, and that's not. But convenient for them. like Totally. And I think it actually helps. A, mo- a movie franchise that I think we love mm-hmm. and is one of the – now more rarer successes in in our genre here to have them have a nice reason to get more time without having to have anyone be mad about it i think is perfect because but like you said when we talked about this in the live show they're not really covered by the writer strike it's animation (laughs) so um unless i don't know what contract they're operating under so maybe it is but real technically they could just keep working through the strike because it's animation which isn't covered by the guild and for the Craven thing, that to me feels like part of this move that's been discussed a lot in the trades, in particular of movie studios shifting, not to call it this, but shifting their product so that if the strike goes on for a while, if they are delayed, they have things spaced out. So maybe it is a little bit of a result of the strike, but it does feel like a little bit of a mistake to me like that movie looks Mm. schlocky it looks bad maybe it'll be a fun surprise and it'll just be like venom just a goofy time of the movie theater but to me that feels like a late october dumb action movie to watch moving it off a year it gives too much time for that to sit around it lets the hype die down where for anybody who is hyped about it this feels like a bad move to me it is a long time to push it off i mean the strike, there was some hope this week that the strike, the AMPTP called for a meeting with the WGA, but the meeting, what the announcements, the leaked 
stuff, the like fake leaked information that came out yesterday makes it feel like, oh, actually this isn't actually hopeful and we have more strike happening because it was seemingly sort of a sneaky AMPTP move to try to break the solidarity of the writers. So I don't know it, if when the strike was maybe coming to a close soon, it felt like don't move it all the way. Because I think well, another ma- big reason they're moving is because they need the actors to um, mm-hmm. promote the movie and they don't have the actors. Uh, they Actors can't promote anything. And a movie like this needs to inter- have actors to interview and push out a little bit because it is IP, but it's also something that needs a little help. It's not mm-hmm. your Avengers style thing. It's not Spider-Man. It's Craven. It is Craven. Let's move to two big rumors here. The biggest rumor of the week, which I was very curious to get. I don't know if you have information about this, but once again, fantastic forecasting rumors going absolutely wild. It was a insane, and I don't mean that complimentary, couple of days online with people throwing stuff out, rumor mongers going nuts and being like, Fantastic forecast from before is out. New fantastic forecaster in. Here's who's going to play Johnny Storm. It's one of these two guys that has the initials GQ, but we don't know which one. Jack Quaid, by the way, was like, I'm not Johnny Storm. Leave me alone. But the new one that the rumor mongers have settled on is Matt Smith for Reed Richards, Vanessa Kirby for Sue Storm, Joseph Quinn for Johnny Storm, and Eben Moss Backrack possibly for Ben Grimm, maybe for another role in the movie. They also said that it is a Sue Storm-focused movie, that she's kind of the lead of the movie. Great. But here's the question I have for you right off. They're not doing any casting right now because actors can't make deals, right? It is weird. Like, I don't know if these are who's leaking this and why like it it feels like the actors are not because the actors are asked to respond and all of them are like what no i don't think this is not nothing i've ever heard of it maybe it's just meant to just keep press it's like a press play but like it feels either it's old news where they had a list of people like with a couple names circled on it or something and that's getting out now but it, it just feels there's also like uh, I saw some people pushing this idea that like we're looking for a fat guy to play Ben Grimm. <laughs> this I was is like, I was there, like, Yo, there is a guy. What? There is a guy. I'm not going to say his name, but there is a guy who is a rumor monger that pushes out a lot of this stuff. He is a gross guy. Like he is very gross. He's always been gross. He's been misogynist. I, maybe somebody said that internally, but like to put it out there, we're looking for a fat white guy. No, no one would write that in an official document. Oh my God, absolutely not. Casting notice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Never happened. There's a lot of of bad casting notices out there, but no one would write that down in any sort of official thing. That's why I feel like this is some email thread that someone got a hold of where Mm -hmm. it's just like off the cuff. Oh, what about Vanessa Kirby? And feels very, very casual and... The fact that it's happening, I think, is just, well, with all the strikes, there's not a lot to talk about. So let's sort of make some stuff up. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, given that we don't know how long the strike is going to go on, even let's say, is sake of argument, the night before the strike, they side these four people up or like we're talking to them. Anything could happen. You know, the strike stretches on for the months. They drop out of the project. We get other projects. I will say, just on a purely just speculation basis, because we talked about a lot with the last rumored cast, which was, uh, now I'm completely forgetting, but it was Adam Driver, uh, it was David Diggs, it was yep. um, uh, 
Paul Mescal, and I'm forgetting yep. who was supposed to be Sue Storm. Oh, it was someone we liked. I forget now, too. It wasn't Jody Comer. It was somebody else. Whatever it is, there was something about that cast when we were talking about it that felt like, what is this? Like, who are these people? These are just names you kind of pulled out of a hat. This cast works much better for me. Like, there's something Mm. about the alchemy here that I feel like Matt Smith, first of all, he's got a stretchy face naturally. Good choice for Reed Richards. (laughs) Well, he also, he does a good job of playing a jerk that you still feel for, you know, that you're like intrigued by a little bit. And he always has this remote aloofness to him, particularly in House of the Dragon, that really works. I could see him with Vanessa Kirby, who is great and kicks butt. I don't know if she's necessarily somebody I would pick for Sue Storm, but I really like her on screen anyway. Um, So they work really well together. Joseph Quinn, I don't know. We saw him as Eddie in Stranger Things, but everybody loved him from there. Be happy to see him in a role, but he definitely sees seems fun and funny and seems younger than Vanessa Kirby and Matt Smith works about that. And Eben Moss Backrack, I just love. Like, I don't, I don't know that I want to necessarily see him in a mocap suit love. In, a, uh, in a Marvel movie, but like, he's got that gruff voice where he's just like, I'm just a dude that really works for me for Ben Grimm. I don't know that I see him as Matt Smith as friends necessarily, but like, I'm way more into this cast if this actually happens than the other rumored cast, personally. Uh, just a quick sidebar on that. I tried to look up who was playing Sue Storm in the previous casting, and going to one of those garbage rumor websites slowed my internet down so badly because <laughs> the site sucks so much that I, we had to stop and re-record this section. <laughs> well, anyway, I guess we'll never know who that was. <laughs> Why don't we move to our second rumory thing? This is potentially a spoiler thing because this comes from a relatively reliable scooper, but this is about Aubrey Plaza's character in Agatha Coven of Chaos. Again, Potential spoilers if you don't want to know, tune away. But this is Can We Get Toast on Twitter slash X says mm. she'll be playing a character named Rio Vidal, the first green witch who is Agatha's angry and crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, cool. That role sounds right for our girl Aubrey. That's yeah. great. Yeah, totally. I mean, that matches up. Like, that's why I kind of wanted to give a spoiler warning here that all of this stuff totally tracks with what we know about the show. I think having Aubrey Plaza and Catherine Hahn as fighting ex-girlfriends is going to drive the internet absolutely nuts. So I don't know. Obviously, I hope it's good. But like everything that I hear about the show gets me excited for it just in terms of a musical about witches with Patty Lapone and Catherine Hahn and Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza and Catherine Hahn, ex-girlfriends who are fighting and hate each other. And probably let's be honest, hook up at some point. The internet's yeah. going to go nuts. They're going to have a field day. They're going to love it. I have a little scoop to add on to this. I was Ooh. talking to a member of this uh, cast uh, uh, recently and um, they were saying that, um, yes, it's wild. It's it's a crazy show. When they were cast, it wasn't a musical. <laughs> and the musical <laughs> part was later like, we're actually going to make uh, and, and they can sing. Everyone can sing in the sure. cast. So it was like, but like the idea that they were like, you know what? Let's have them sing was a hell of a revelation to me. That's crazy. That's something that you don't usually do later in the process, but. Or, I mean, it takes a while like to work, go from a deal to actually product. I'm not saying when they showed up on set, they were like, you know what? We're going to sing. Hurry, sing. <laughs> it was more, I think, from the sure. deal to the actual show. But even so, that's 
makes it a much more wild project. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that also kind of makes me excited away because the sounds of Riverdale style where we've heard we've talked exactly. to people on Riverdale exactly. where that week they're like, oh, by the way, we want to add a musical dub or just do that over the weekend. And they're like, what? Yeah. what? And then, and do it. So yeah. there you go. All right, there we go. If you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com or hit us up anywhere socially. You can support us, patreon.com slash comicbookclub. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat about Marvel stuff. Apple, Spotify, not Stitcher, because Stitcher is going away at the end of the month. Please, if you're subscribed there, subscribe literally anywhere else. We're on every major platform at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. I am an AI voice that Alex programmed to be his <laughs> co-host for today. I paid Justin once. <laughs>